1: <laughs>
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Shit Your Shrink Things. I'm rocking the suburbs, just like Quiet Ryan did. I'm rocking the suburbs, <laughs> except that they were talented. <laughs> okay, it's also, there's a line in the song that's very related to our topic today. Okay. The line is, Mom and Dad, you made me so uptight when people break in the McDonald's line. (laughs) 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 That's a little preview about anxiety, folks. Oh, goodness. I don't know if I know that song. It's Ben Folds. Have you ever heard of Ben Folds? It's like a piano playing gentleman. Oh, okay. Sings hipster indie stuff i heard he's kind of a jerk but i, I don't know. know i know i don't know <laughs> he's got good music Go yeah on, yeah whatever. great music i don't know maybe a jerk who knows but <laughs> very catchy <laughs> lyrics i dig it i dig it so hey guys just as a reminder as per every episode welcome to shit your shrink thinks, and if you are digging us then please consider checking us out on our patreon www.patreon.com forward slash shit your shrink thinks. Or checking us out on our email, shityourshrinkthinks at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram and Facebook. We do. We do. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. And if you do want to communicate with us, best way, email. Yeah. The best way is email. I mean, we have been responding to some of the messages, but we get some that seem like fakes on Instagram and Facebook. Most of them we can tell what's real and what's fake, but, you know, it's probably better via email. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We'll be more likely to respond for sure if you communicate with us through our Gmail. Yes. So, what's good with you this week? Just sparkling lights. Oh, yeah? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah? Okay. (laughs) It's the holiday season. Whether it's that or not, I just really like the whimsy of, like, of sparkling Christmassy lights or, you know, glittery lights. Christmas or no Christmas, I want to have little lights throughout my house. Yes.
0: Tiny little pretty. Little fairyland. Little fairy. yeah. 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 Did I say this on the show or not, that there's a Danish term called hygge? This is, okay, so my significant other's parents are very Danish, or parent is one of the, his parents are very Danish. And this person at one point was involved in a Danish museum. And so we got all this information about Danish culture. Nice. And there is a term called "huga," which means comforting indoor space coziness and like a sense of kind of belonging Mm. and and one of the things that they talk about is like twinkle light lighting twinkle lights really good smells like cinnamon and nutmeg yeah yeah. blankets and it's a whole thing in Denmark I guess because it's so cold all the time oh yeah so definitely really make a sensory yeah yeah so you're you're just Danish at heart yeah there you go I'll take that (laughs) how about you what's your what's good so I have two and both of them are past client stories I would say like long times ago and I'll, I'll keep them de-identified. The first one is actually a friend of mine said this to me so I was talking to him this week and I said one of my patients was talking about you know I don't want to I don't want to mess around in session I don't want to waste my time I want to get down to business and I was I was like oh that's really respectable right. and my friend who's also a therapist was like <laughs> I had an old Marine at one point in time who I saw years ago who called that quote playing fuck fuck. <laughs> playing fuck fuck. <laughs> yeah, he was like he's like, I'm not trying to play fuck fuck in here, Doc. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and so I guess this guy would use that term for anybody who is like BSing him. Yeah. He'd be like, I don't know, Doc. They're just playing fuck fuck. <laughs> <laughs> i just i always thought that one was a good one so and then the other thing that happened was that again de-identified but had a patient talking to me using a lot of hand gestures mm-hmm. and they didn't realize that they had a child's toy on their hand still oh. it was a finger puppet of a tinier hand oh my
1: goodness <laughs> no so as they were gesticulating oh. wif-
0: wildly <laughs> <had this laughs> tiny hand? on top of their regular hand and it was just kind of like flopping around the whole How time. How did they not <laughs> I love that I was just riding with it the whole time I was like well whatever this tiny hand is going to be here this whole session. Yes. You're going to have to deal with this Sunny. Lock it up right. and so this tiny hand is flopping around the whole time and even at one point they started to pick at the fingertips of the tiny hand as if they were picking their own nails because oh they were God. nervous <laughs> <laughs> And that was about the time they realized they had the tiny hand on. <laughs> they're like picking at it for like a minute, and they're like, wait a second, this is a tiny hand. <laughs> and they looked right at me they're like why didn't you tell me i was like i don't know what do i not encountered with this sort of situation I can, I can deal with depression anxiety PTSD. i don't know what to do with the tiny hands i was just gonna let it be there and the person like dead ass was like so you're gonna let that be there the whole time i was like yeah i don't know if that's a choice he made i right, don't know maybe that's your fidget spinner i don't know <laughs> I don't know your life quite yet. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so tiny hand person was also on my list of just what's good this week. It really brought me a lot of joy.
1: That that brings me joy too. I always love the the videos where people use tiny hands like over their hands. Oh yeah. Do things. <laughs> like that is my favorite. I love it so much.
0: Oh, what was that movie? There was like a scary movie something where like a Yeah, guy one had of a the scary movies hand. he has Yeah, had, yeah the tiny weird
1: was. hands. I think it's like the third one or something.
0: Like the butler or something. Ooh, tiny hands are great. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So what did you do for outside of session practice? So
1: outside of session practice was that mental health check-in with the husband. Mm -hmm. And... It did happen, and it happened actually fairly naturally, so woo-woo. Ooh, ooh Yeah, and it was a good discussion, We and we both kind of checked in with each other, and we're both kind of on fire. But, you know, <laughs> at least we know where we're at, and we're, you know, <laughs> working together through it. Ah,
0: you on fire? Yeah. You on fire? Also, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing about it? And nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're trying. We're, yeah. doing,
1: we're taking the steps, but it was good yes. to communicate and kind of just check in and, and see- what the main struggles that each of us were kind of dealing with right now and ways that we could both at least validate each other's struggle and show up for each other in different ways.
0: Wow, oh, that's really nice. I like that. Yeah. yeah. The check-in is, man, it's critical. People love a check-in. A good, good check-in. Uh, mine was you? to notice the stages of change that I was in with different things. Actually, it was effective. Usually when I do something it is that I end up reducing doing other things I kind of have the opposite thing going on as many people have is they're trying to start doing something and I'm trying to just stop <laughs> I'm just, trying to lessen yeah. yeah I'm trying yeah. to chill the hell out and so I realized that I was in a stage of change with just doing a lot of different like too many different things and mm-hmm. so I took the different things that I wasn't in a far stage of change with and just eliminated them so Right now, for example, I'm not like this whole eating healthy calorie counting life is just mm. really not a priority for me. And so it's just like, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> yeah, I'm out. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm just not even gonna waste mental energy on that. I'm not, not in a right now. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't matter to me right now. I'm not motivated to do it right now. And also, I've been reading a lot of research about this is a total side note about like intuitive eating and how diets are actually like not There's some evidence against them. Yeah, Um, yeah. I've kind of heard
1: some of that too. Yeah.
0: So I'm not in a good stage of change with that. So letting it go was actually nice because I could give resources to other things instead of stuff like that, which Mm -hmm. is pretty cool. And I also noticed I'm (laughs) i I wasn't giving enough things to things I did care about, and so that was cool. Like to to be like, okay, I am in a positive stage of change with listening to this person about this thing. I want to do that, but I was diverting energy to stuff that I wasn't in a good stage of change with. So it just helped me even out my resources a little bit. Yeah, yeah. 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 It was good. Cool. Yeah. So what are we talking about this week? We are talking about
1: anxiety disorders. Yes. <laughs> yes. So what exactly is an anxiety disorder
0: and how common are they, Sunny? They are, first of all, pretty common. An anxiety disorder is extreme excessive worry that can be about a specific topic or a general theme. Mm-hmm. So it could be like extreme, excessive worry about snakes are everywhere. Snakes are on this plane. Snakes are <laughs> snakes on <laughs> the plane. <laughs> snakes everywhere. i these
1: motherfucking snakes <laughs> off this motherfucking plane.
0: <laughs> You're I've <laughs> never even seen that, but I love that. Ah, Samuel You are a gem. But it could be like a, a phobia ish, you know, right. of snakes, or it could be a general theme like. My boss is going to fire me. I'm going to end up destitute. Right. What about Generally this? jumping to
1: the worst case possible scenario.
0: Absolutely. And I have here, and you can kind of tell me what you think about this, I kind of divided them up into three types of symptoms, not not like specific mm. to a disorder, but I said there's kind of emotional symptoms, cognitive symptoms, and physical symptoms yeah. of anxiety. Um, so the emotional symptoms are like what I just said, worry, panic, feelings of doom or danger. Mm -hmm. the apprehension apprehension Ooh, that's a good one yeah i like that word a lot or perceived threats even like keyword perceived yes right you're right exactly (laughs) definitely in that's in the next domain cognitive like i'm always aware that something is coming i think something's coming my way Mm -hmm. something's gonna harm me at all times right
1: doom (laughs) doom
0: and gloom did you ever see to altered
1: behaviors too i mean that's the factor also
0: Yes, I should have put behaviors in there. Absolutely. Yeah. Is is avoidance. Avoidance. I put that under cognitive. So silly. Avoidance of things that might make you afraid, but also avoidance of things that you could do to make it better.
1: Yeah. Just general. Yeah. General avoidance. I don't want to look at it. I'm going to pretend it's not there, even though it's eating my soul.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I also have under cognitive some rumination which Mm -hmm. I describe this to patients like you're a dog with a bone with a oh man oh sometimes I'll get a thought that I just I'm like it's like a worry stone yeah Yeah. just whoo I just keep on that thought and some of us have ruminations that are really consistent Mm -hmm. I have like two or three ruminations that like will just come up whenever I'm just physiologically anxious so like what's gonna happen with money ah that's yeah, like yeah, yeah. forever it's a
1: pretty common one for most exactly
0: yeah. or i mean a less common one i guess could be well i don't have i think i don't have any really uncommon ones actually but if you had an uncommon one it would be like what if i get possessed you know right. like <laughs> yeah like i'm really scared of getting possessed <laughs> and yeah. you think about that all the time all the time could be a rumination i also have here trouble concentrating mm-hmm. at, um like a, a A difficulty remembering things or paying attention to things in the moment. And then for physical, I had sweating, Mm -hmm. muscle tension, sleep disturbance, heart racing, chest pains, GI problems, so Mm -hmm. pooping too much or not pooping at all, Yep, and rapid breathing. Oh, yeah. What you got on the anxiety front or anything that there was to add on the uh, what is anxiety disorder land? Anxiety is like just an
1: expected part of life to some degree. I mean- No matter what, you are going to experience anxiety in your life. But to actually have an anxiety disorder, it really does involve more than just that temporary worry or fear. It's something that's really persistent. It's not going away or it gets worse over time. Those symptoms, all the things that we just described, are really interfering with your daily activities Mm -hmm. to perform like at your job or at school or work or with your
0: relationships. Exactly. So an example of something that impacted your social relationships would be I am so afraid of being in crowds of people or in public or around others that I just don't, I don't go, go out anywhere yeah. Yeah. yeah and I and I don't I won't engage with other people or- I won't make new friends and I but I feel lonely yeah like but I'm so scared yeah and socially uncomfortable mm-hmm yeah that would be an example or Even with more general worries and ruminations, I spend so much time worrying and ruminating that I feel paralyzed Mm -hmm. and then I don't do behaviors that would help me to move forward. That's Because so much energy is also spent just Mm -hmm. on that
1: thought process, on Mm -hmm. acknowledging the anxiety. It's very draining physically. Yes. (laughs) Just like depression physically draining as well both of these things drain you enough and end up consuming so much of your time that then you don't feel like you have the energy to do the thing that you need to do
0: absolutely i i think that you make such a good point about anxiety being linked to exhaustion because i can think when i've been chronically anxious for long periods of time Mm -hmm. i'm so tired and yet i haven't done anything so fatigued yeah Yeah. you're like but i just laid here but but i was really busy worrying about a whole bunch of shit (laughs) yeah welcome to overthinking station yeah (laughs) exactly we're aborting now Yeah, yeah. oh no I don't want to go to there (laughs) I never want to go to there (laughs) yes Uh. so I also wanted to add here that there's kind of a newer theory and this was at the time that I was coming out of grad school it was not old so it's probably maybe five or six years old now it was called the trans diagnostic model and this was the idea that um, anxiety and depression can be kind of on a spectrum Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and, hundred, yeah. Yeah. I agree. And that like they're not super separate things. So if you want to get more information about depression, you can listen to our episode about depression. But that one is kind of just a more energetic form of the other. <laughs> like I could see that. Like anxiety is like depression with lots of coffee in itself. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like anxiety anxiety is depression but if depression had a lot of energy or was manic. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the other end of the spectrum. Like you may have more energy to think about and do things, but similar ruminations or, yeah. or similar thought and patterns. And I, I do
1: feel like generally, if somebody is struggling with high anxiety, they probably have some level of depression. And I feel like a lot of people who are struggling with depression have at least some level of anxiety because they're Absolutely. not getting out and doing the, the one feeds the other and facilitate the other to develop. <laughs> Ab- Absolutely, but it is so common to experience anxiety disorders. I mean, they are the most common statistically in the u.s what i I could find yeah tell me what you found on
0: that because i i was lazy about statistics this time so you tell me what you got here
1: so i found so i looked on various things so the national institute of mental health the cdc and anxiety and depression association of america had expressed that approximately 40 million adults in the united states suffer from an anxiety disorder which is 18 percent of the population
0: yikes that (laughs) is so high yes that is so many. I'm I'm upset for everybody. Like we all need a giant chill pill. Right. I'm, and only
1: oh. 37% of those who are suffering actually seek treatment.
0: Oh man. You know, I you know me and I always like to think about, oh man, what caused this? How mm-hmm. did this start? What did th- how did this happen? And I really do think there's a cultural <laughs> thing here that's happening where if you're in a western more modernized society the, the expectations are so high, so high and there's literally no way to meet these expectations Mm-mm. and there's no way to divide your attention there's no way to really mm, balance meet. it yeah yeah exactly there's no way
1: to balance all the things that you are expected to do and obtain and mm-hmm. help and blah, 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 yeah blah, blah, blah. the money yeah. you're
0: expected to get i'm wondering i i feel like i remember the anxiety disorders, this, this information is from a while ago, but I feel like I remember it being more common in women, slightly more common in women. Yeah. Is that correct? Okay. Yeah. People identify as women. Yeah. Okay. And then I also just kind of put a little bit of information here about possible causes, and mm. I, I divided them up just as a, hey, if you maybe have these risk factors, just it's a thought. Just be, yeah. Be aware. Yeah. Be <laughs> aware. Keep keep your awareness open. So obviously environment and growing up history developmental history is what we call it so if you grow up in a rigid or perfectionistic environment where Mm. there's like a lot a lot of rules very high expectations we don't really talk about much right talk about like the waspy american family like just really rigid that can kind of right right a lot
1: of taboo topics in this household that you can't express yeah and then a lot of taboo emotions also you are either happy or you are quiet (laughs)
0: or you are quiet. <laughs> I'm dead. I love that. Yeah, yeah no, I, I love that. That's exactly it. It's so funny because that was not uh, the experience I had growing up or not at all. So, right. It is funny because I have a lot of good friends with the you're happy or you're dead sort of uh, mm-hmm. information. I, I love that because I'm so brutally honest. I come in there like a wrecking ball. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm feeling sad. I hate everything. They're like, oh my god, we don't talk about that. I'm like, my butt hurts. Like, <laughs> my stomach is growing. People are like, what is going on with this monster in front of me? <laughs> I don't fit in well in those households. It's great. Okay, so Anyway, other causes could be that there is also another option is it's a very threatening household, right. there's always threat of something bad happening. Yeah. Or even you know, trauma can do it. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't develop PTSD, you can develop instead an anxiety disorder. Yep. And modeling of anxiety from parents. Yes.
1: Yes. I thought that too as well. Yeah. Because some parents, they're overly anxious Mm themselves. And if they're always fretting about all of these things, and that's what you observe as a child growing up, I mean, instinctually, sometimes we just start to do the same stuff yeah and, and it just seems normal it's yeah, not this is this is how
0: we function yeah we we worry that's what we do in this household <laughs> <Right>. we worry <laughs> and we shut up about it Also, <laughs> we worry and we shut the hell up and you know other options obviously are that it's gen- some possibilities yeah. genetic i was gonna
1: say if there is a family history which is it the family history or is it the parent modeling exactly. i don't know exactly but the neurochemicals are a factor and the, yeah, the yeah. nature versus nurture aspect in there.
0: Yeah. Like um, we've talked about the microbiome. Some people are set up with a certain microbiome. Some people are set up with more sensitive nervous systems. Right. Have They're, more neurotransmitters
1: or what have you or yes. receptors or blocked receptors. Or yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Their
0: receptor situation is anxious <laughs> is what we're telling you over fire yeah (laughs) yeah it's it's really sensitive system uh or environment can do it so just chronic stress in your adulthood environment
1: Mm, yes
0: and then I also had just a couple of things here about physical stuff like physical stuff that can trigger anxiety for people Mm. like a like a physical abnormality or a physical health condition and so I always not I always forget to check this but because I've worked in hospital so long i'm really attuned i started off as a health psychologist actually so i'm mm-hmm. really weird about always making sure to know what physically is going on with something so anxiety is often linked to things like heart disease diabetes hyperthyroidism so an overactive thyroid respiratory disorders like copd so mm-hmm. when people are shallow breathing constantly obviously that's likely to cause anxiety
1: uh, yeah yeah yeah
0: and also withdrawal from alcohol so even just if you were if you were overusing alcohol and then the next day you wake up you're more likely to experience anxiety.
1: anxiety. Yeah, we
0: call these the weirds. Then there's a rebound effect when you remove alcohol from your system where it it isn't able to like you can't catch up and so you have a anxiety shoot flux. up mm-hmm, yeah. afterwards because it was artificially decreased. So alcohol withdrawal, anti-anxiety medication withdrawal Chronic pain, irritable bowel syndrome, tumors, all of these things. Now, okay, everybody, when you're listening to this, do not be like, I have a tumor (laughs) because I'm aware that I'm talking to anxious people right now. Yeah, right. Our hypochondriacs are like, it's definitely me. (laughs) It's me. Ah." They're talking to me. But these are all health conditions that can increase anxiety. And the one thing I want to always caution people about is I can't tell you how many times I see patients in my office that... They had a recent medication change, and then they're like, I don't know why, doc, but my sleep's crazy, and I'm yeah. super anxious, and I'm whatever, and you're like, well, did you just go on a new uh, allergy pill? Allergy right. pills seem Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. to do that a lot, or whatever. You name the, is your thyroid medicine out of whack?
1: Yeah. And I do think that if you are struggling with anxiety, go see your primary, like, see your medical doctor first, just to mm-hmm. get a physical checkup, because th- there can be times that it is, yes, you know, a hormone imbalance or yes. something that's actually happening i've seen that happen where where i'm treating them' and, we're, and it's hard we're not making much progress yes. and then all of a sudden their doctor's like oh you have this thing and yes. boom
0: I, like- <laughs> I i literally had a person um probably a couple of weeks ago again i'll keep it de-identified but this person was saying that ever since they got on a statin and something else some other kind of heart medication their anxiety has changed essentially remitted like it is just gone now because their heart is not racing too Mm -hmm. fast at random intervals and their brain is not interpreting that That, now as anxiety right and so it was like oh you're cured and (laughs) there's nothing that makes you as a shrink feel more inadequate (laughs) medication totally totally just fix it i know i know (laughs) <laughs> well I can hear my stupid ass was trying to like help this person with all these skills they did god bless their hearts they were like your skills have really helped me I'm like I'm pretty sure the medical doctor is yeah I'm pretty there. sure they did it but okay thanks <laughs> thanks I think you just like me but <laughs> anyway so I just wanted to throw that out there as a caveat so let's just briefly discuss and differentiate the anxiety disorders we probably won't go into like extreme detail about these things but we want you to know the different types that are out there kind of like what we talked about with depression right the one that we
1: probably see the most within our field Mm -hmm. is just generalized anxiety disorder yep so that is excessive anxiety or worry and apprehension that's occurring more days than not for at least six months
0: it's a long time
1: yeah so again, it's not just a, a a worry situation. Yeah, you're you're excessively struggling with these reoccurring thoughts, these uh, intrusive thoughts mm-hmm. that are disrupting your ability to function for half a year. Guys. right right <laughs> it's,
0: and, and the thoughts are they're all over the place that's the thing about it a generalized anxiety disorder it can be like my cat's gonna die i don't have enough money my house is gonna light on fire right. just like random it's not
1: specific this is the person who catastrophizes everything so every possible thing is basically worst case scenario so yeah. if you tend to jump to the worst case possible scenario on every single thing like all the time and it's been happening for almost a half a year at least yeah you then, might then check you might this out. might check this out You find it difficult to control the worry. The anxiety or worry has to be associated with three or more of these also following symptoms. So restlessness or feeling keyed up or on edge, being easily fatigued, difficulty concentrating or your mind going blank, irritability, muscle tension, or sleep
0: disturbance. Right. Right. Got it, and that's the most common one. That's what you're going to see. That most eighteen percent made up of, right? Is is adults. This is usually strikes in adulthood, too, right? And because adulthood throws a
1: lot of yeah, a lot of stuff your way that you're like, wait, uh, I have to do this. I didn't get taught this in school.
0: This is awful. <laughs> what is this? Yeah, and the, the funny part is, is people with generalized anxiety disorder they often look really pleasant yeah they're very usually super conscientious people yeah very people pleasery kind of yeah, tend to be. yeah yeah they're very pleasant to be around people most of the time and you might not even know that they're really struggling with anxiety they might be just super kind and aware of what's going on in their environment but inside it's like ah! right inside they're like everything is terrible and yeah. this is gonna go bad and yeah. they can't stop
1: focusing on that worst case scenario with mm-hmm. each situation mm-hmm like my car broke down and now i'm worried that it's going to be a $1000 bill and i'm not mm-hmm. and then i'm not going to pay my rent and then this is and i'm going to be kicked out and i'm going to be homeless and then you know like yeah. it's it's that escalation of yes. of thought patterns.
0: Yeah, it <laughs> it escalates quickly. There are two other ones that are both uh I'll kind of loop them in together. They're disorders in childhood. Full caveat, we don't really deal with disorders in childhood that much Michaela and I right we are more adulthood focused so take these with a grain of salt but separation anxiety disorder I'll just bullet point it is essentially when if you remove a child from their parents they engage in behaviors compensatory behaviors because they are freaked out they right. are disruptive unhelpful etc the second one is selective mutism which is different because the behavior that happens when they're in certain anxiety provoking situations is they don't talk right it's a psychogenic disorder which right. means it's not physical it is something that they do yeah not they can in.
1: they can biologically talk but mm-hmm. psychologically they go mute yes, <laughs> they're exactly they're in such a state of anxiety that they just can't speak
0: right one of these days we should have somebody on who's here a child that, expert yeah yeah and I just know, go through all of those yeah i know somebody who does the child stuff so i should i should get them but i do
1: think although these are definitely mostly they are childhood Diagnostic. Yeah. I do think there are rare random times that they have been diagnosed with in adults. Yeah. I, I think, oh, yeah. You can be diagnosed as an adult with these things, but mm-hmm. it's very rare. It's yeah. more common in children.
0: Yeah. That's a really great point. We also have specific phobia. And I think we can go through the specifics of that if you guys want hat specific phobia. But basically, what it is specific phobia is a marked fear or anxiety about a specific object or situation. So, this is exactly what you would think. Snakes. Right planes right <laughs> right flying animals injections seeing blood etc right
1: uh, a specific thing tends to set you into such a panic
0: have you ever seen
1: specific phobia i don't think legitimately not yeah. in, not in my practice
0: yeah i had a resident once who was seeing somebody with claustrophobia
1: yeah i've had a, i've had the like that agoraphobia which mm-hmm. you know we'll get to here in a bit yeah which is the how you know not wanting to leave the house and mm-hmm. stuff but I haven't seen, like, a specific phobia, like like the snakes or, like... Being buried alive. Being bar- yeah, yeah, like, yeah. where you're just so dwelling. And that's the thing, too. Like, not only is it if you're faced with this thing that you're in panic, but you also are excessively just worrying about it. Like, you're yes. just thinking
0: about it randomly, What if I see a cat? Yeah. What if I... What if I a cat crosses my pathway? Right. What if I go to work and a cat is at work? It's it's not always you're presented with the object that you're afraid of. It's just constantly thinking about it right. and being afraid of it no matter what. And it's avoidance of that feared object and then obviously it doesn't it disturbs your social and occupational functioning. Right. We also have
1: social anxiety. So that is a marked fear or anxiety about one or more social situations in which the individual is exposed to possible scrutiny by others. So this can just be social interactions, like conversations or meeting unfamiliar people. It could be just being observed, like maybe you're eating or drinking somewhere and you're thinking people are watching you. Or maybe it's even performing in, other, in front of others, like giving a speech or a performance.
0: I always feel like somebody's watching me <laughs>
1: and I have no privacy. <laughs>
0: oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, a little bit Sorry. of social phobia right there. That song would match. <laughs> yes. yes, it would. Isn't there like a in the middle of it or something or is that a different it another song i don't know i don't know i don't know yes i do
1: like that song though it's kind of fun
0: but that it's probably the second most common i see yes right next to generalized anxiety and honestly sometimes i have a hard time distinguishing between generalized anxiety and social phobia
1: yeah they bleed and i feel like a lot of times too with other traumas Yes. I see the social anxiety, but I kind of just associate it with like I'm just like, eh, it falls out of the trauma.
0: Yeah, like I, yeah, don't, yeah. I don't
1: necessarily diagnose it as something extra. Like I'm not going to throw an extra label on you when I you agree. have these other labels. I agree. That um, is, that is
0: the thing is like so many of these anxiety disorders overlap. Yeah, they overlap, yeah. and and they originate usually from a traumatic situation. <laughs> yeah. So it's hard to be like, is this trauma or is this anxiety? Like this yeah. is where the DSM gets or or the the Diagnostic and Statistical manual, manual, for those of you who have listened to episode two, it gets a little like, it, what is the value of separating these out here clinically? Right. It's like, we're giving you this for your knowledge, but sometimes generalized anxiety, it sometimes looks like social phobia, which sometimes looks like PTSD. But PTSD is not an anxiety disorder, right. technically. Yeah.
1: Technically, that is a trauma and stressor-related disorder and in a different category yeah it
0: used to be an anxiety disorder yeah yeah Yeah. i believe so yeah these things are all treated relatively similarly yeah and so the skill sets that work for one usually work for the other so the the differentiating on what they're actually having isn't as pertinent for us yeah right if you're if you're treating it it ends up being six of one half dozen of another we've also got on here panic disorder and i will bullet point panic disorder by saying that things called panic attacks begin to happen to somebody. Panic attacks can be things that include heart palpitations, accelerated heart rate, sweating, trouble breathing, a sense that somebody is choking you, nausea, dizziness, chills. You feel a sense of doom like you're dying, you're going crazy. So you start having panic attacks, but then the next feature of it that's important is that Not only are you having the panic attacks, but you spend a shit ton of time in your day worrying worrying about having a panic attack. Yeah, you're constantly trying to avoid having a panic attack. It's been followed. And these things happen for a month or more after the panic attack. Like the panic attack is no longer the thing that's as bad. It's the worry about the panic attack. Mm -hmm. And then the behaviors that you do to start to avoid panic attacks. Right, Like maybe you stop going running because it elevates your heart rate. Maybe Mm -hmm. you stop singing because it modifies your breathing and you don't and you're worried it's going to cause a panic attack. Maybe you stop going certain places because you think those will cause panic attacks. Right. So panic disorder is all those things and it's not attributable to, you know, drug or alcohol use. And then that's the case with all of these. We also have agoraphobia, which which is I do not leave the house. Right. I'm going to keep that really simple. Right. Yeah.
1: Agoraphobia is the outside world is kind of scary. And I am safe in my home, so I do not want to leave my home. And then uh, the next ones are really just, like, substance or medication-induced anxiety disorder or anxiety disorder due to, like, another medical condition. Like, say, you were diagnosed with cancer. and Now you're kind of feeling anxious about it. Yeah. You
0: know, like... That would be normal. Yeah. That would be a normal thing. Yeah. Adjustment disorder with with anxiety. anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. And so, again, these things are just, like, it is useful so that you can see... What kind of professional you want to look up if one of these things sounds more similar to you than another. Right. But it's not necessary to, as a layman, get super in the weeds about it. Right. It It's maybe more useful to us. So how it presents is not just being worried. And we do often as therapists have some tip-offs that let us know, eh, this person might have anxiety. So I'm interested to hear what you, what you see in session that lets you know this. First, the physical symptoms, the somatic symptoms, the
1: digestive issues, they're having headaches, they're having muscle aches, they're having nausea. They're having even, like, rashes on their skin. Oh, yeah,
0: rashes are, are really common. Oh, yeah, one. rashes
1: really or are. Or welts, mm-hmm. yeah, that just appear. That, yeah, just out of nowhere, and yeah. they don't know what the heck happened. Yeah,
0: or um, allergies, like, weird allergies mm. to stuff is sometimes yeah. something I see. Like, all of a sudden, I'm allergic to my detergent just out of the blue. Like, right. Yeah, and it's like, well, your nervous system is keyed up, dude. That's why you're just randomly allergic to stuff all right. the time now. You're just breaking out with everything. <laughs> yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, again, like, maybe some cardiac issues, like a lot of times... I think people come in with, like, thinking they're having a heart attack, and it turns out it was a panic attack, you know? People like that like, I didn't realize I was struggling with anxiety this
0: whole time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, yeah, man, you're pretty anxious. That is the most (laughs) common, like, the most common thing I've ever seen in the Midwest in particular is, like, middle-aged white man comes into ER with a heart attack. And it's a panic attack. (laughs) Yes. doctor's like, are you feeling a little stressed? Yep. (laughs) And there's no markers of anything going on and he's like I don't feel anything (laughs) and you're like Okay, <laughs> let's maybe talk about what's going on here. And w- unfortunately, sometimes I think it it does get misdiagnosed. I think doctors do say something is a mental health issue far before I'm willing to say it's a mental yeah. health issue. Because yeah. a, a lot of times they're like, "Well, I can't figure it out," so it's a mental health issue. And then I see them, and I'm like, "That's no, not a mental health issue. medical. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what that is, but it's not my neck of the woods. I'll tell you that much. So it's not always the case, but that's a really common thing. If somebody comes to the ER for heart attack like symptoms, they're not having a heart attack they're perfectly fine right a right attack and then you know anger
1: irritability sleep issues i feel like are those memory issues or like self-esteem or the inability to concentrate
0: i mean yeah yeah people in session what i notice a lot is they get fighty and bitey Ooh, they a lot I of times will kind of mm, you will poke at something just a little bit, like, hey, what do you think about that? Or hey, what do you think about this? And it will get very tense and then shut down really quickly. So mm. sometimes that can be a marker that somebody's feeling nervous about something. Right. Body language can run the gamut. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> I didn't
1: even think of it. Yeah, like like you were talking about the picking of the the mm-hmm. tiny hand, right? <laughs> exactly. Like nail picking or yeah. or rubbing the hands together mm-hmm. and rubbing your leg or wringing yeah. yeah. your hands. Yep. Blinking a
0: lot is a weird one. I see. Like just yeah. blink, 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 or playing blink, blink, with blink. your hair. Playing with your hair is another one. I see people like chew their lip a lot. Yeah. Or like they'll they'll. Um, Kind of rock a little bit, or mm. oh yeah, yeah, yeah bounce yeah. a little bit, almost. I also see, you know, you hear somebody's voice trembling sometimes. You see jaw tension, leaning forward. Yeah, mm, jaw tension is good.
1: Yeah, if you're yeah. having jaw pain, check yourself. You might be having some anxiety stuff. Yeah, TMJ. Oh, that's another thing I didn't really talk about. Uh, yeah,
0: tetromandibular joint disorder. Whatever that I'm is. I'm
1: impressed you knew what that meant. I think
0: like that's the, actu- the word. I don't know. I, TMJ is when your jaw muscle is overly tight because you're clenching and gripping it at night. I'm not a dentist, so don't <laughs> don't sue me dentist, but your jaw hurts because you're nervous and you're gripping it too tight, right. and that's a really common one. I <laughs> in grad school, I just needed a bite guard because I was just biting down all the time at night. I was like, "Oh, like just taking yeah. out a lot and of nervous. grinding their teeth too, you know. Mm-hmm. People <laughs> teeth grinding is a really common uh-huh. one and then as soon as i got out of grad school i haven't used my bike carts. So it's fine ch- chilly. well that's so, good well and that's also like a, a plug for anxiety can be situ situationally caused yes. too. it may not be organic within you it may be like your job fucking sucks right and you've got to get out of there and as soon as you do a lot of these anxiety related symptoms remit for right. example so it's not that you're it's tough when somebody comes into us and they're like i'm so anxious and you're like well it's this one thing or this one person and They're like well i'm not gonna leave it or do, and it's like well right well then i guess we have to learn how to cope with it yeah yeah, yeah we can learn how to cope with it but or there's meds but there it's, but you
1: could just remove this one thing this <laughs> is the problem <laughs> yeah, yeah
0: yeah other things we might see is like, really, really, really talkative, or really, really, really quiet is yeah, another yeah, thing. Yeah. Sometimes sticky thoughts. I, I usually experience patients with high anxiety as. I get, I get tripped up by it at first because they'll give me a lot of thoughts all at once. But what about this thing? 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 Mm-hmm. And I'll kind of follow those avenues at first. And then I'll, by the end of the session, be like, wait a minute, I was bamboozled by anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> because it was just just- calming each fear that gets thrown in my face. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was soothing each fear as it came up. And wait, this is generalized anxiety. Damn it. Like, yeah. I shouldn't have been, um, as a therapist, we don't really necessarily want to soothe each of those fears as they come up if it's generalized anxiety we want to teach the client how to soothe self-soothe the fear yeah. uh-huh. because then i become the safety object or right the- we don't
1: want them to become dependent on us to to calm their fears yeah that's like not good for them you want no. them to
0: be able to do their own
1: thing right we're supposed them. to
0: work ourselves out of a job ultimately guys exactly you might see somebody having uh, avoidance saying that they have thoughts that they can't turn off mm-hmm. they have a real difficulty with lack of control over situations mm. they're always super early to your sessions yeah <laughs> they may be dressed to the nine super perfectionistic you know these are just like little tip-offs that we and I, it's not, a, again, it's not a judgment thing. It's just like, oh, okay, that's there. Right. That's just how we we sometimes clock it. Yeah. <laughs> so treatments of anxiety disorder, what do we got? We're not going to go into like all of it, but just generally. Right. So, I
1: mean, obviously there are some medications, like some anti-anxieties. But if, if you think you can work on the, this without a medication, I encourage you to because those anti-anxiety meds can be pretty damn addictive.
0: Yeah, they're a, they're, they're
1: a danger to play with if you don't. Super need them,
0: yeah. But benzos in particular, so benzodiazepine medications, like I want to say, like um, Xanax, and I think Lorazepam is Mm -hmm. a anti anxiety or a benzodiazepine. But these ones are they're very calming, very immediately. But they do have a it's kind of like the alcohol withdrawal effect. Like they can have like hangover effects, and they can Mm -hmm. have addictive properties. So just be careful with those. I know there's some. ssris and SMRIs. right yeah there's some more like antidepressant type those that are, work yeah. yeah those tend to be and again defer to your psychiatrist we are not psychiatrists but no. yeah no thank god <laughs> Right? <laughs> oh my goodness although they could call me dr feelgood if i was a psychiatrist which would make like, me so happy but because i'd have You're all still the-
1: dr feelgood yeah <laughs> i don't
0: know yeah right you still got your doctor yeah exactly right right yeah i'm gonna That's say what that counts <laughs> yeah i'm gonna say it so those are – you can do medications that way, but I do find that at least the combination with therapy or even just therapy alone is m- very effective. Yeah. We want you
1: to be able to manage those symptoms or, or stressors on your own without just trying to pop a pill to manage it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like that's
1: that's where my fear comes in is sometimes people are like, I can't manage this, so I need a pill. Yes. And, and then it becomes – an issue and habitual and
0: then right. Right. And more it's like, and more
1: and more. And yeah, yeah.
0: And you should be able to take whatever if you need the med, take the med. But what we don't want is like expecting immediate gratification or immediate relief, especially right. with anxiety type yes. medications. Because yeah. those can be tricky. We all we have a bunch of different psychotherapy options. The as usual, the gold standard is cognitive behavioral therapy, yep. acceptance and commitment therapy, or my favorite for anxiety disorders forever and ever is exposure therapies. Mm-hmm. As like, oh, it's also my favorite thing to just do as a therapist, or really enjoy doing exposure therapy. He's just a psychopath, <laughs> I like
1: making you uncomfortable.
0: <laughs> yeah, and exposure therapy is basically this: we we create an exposure hierarchy for you. We label the lowest end zero. And that is your lowest level of anxiety. Like you're just sitting on the couch playing Animal Crossing, having a glass of wine. That is low level anxiety for you. And then your level 100 is the thing that causes you the most anxiety. Let's say you had social phobia. So it would be going to a concert with a group of friends and being surrounded by people in a mosh pit. I'm just like making up your level 100. And then we fill in the blanks. Of Okay, what's your 10? What's your 20? What's your 30? What's your 40? With things that cause you progressively more anxiety, but we get really specific about those things. And we have you start with 10, let's say, Mm -hmm. and we have you do the level 10 activity five times that week for at least, I want to say it's 45 minutes or until the anxiety cuts in half. Mm. Because there is a physiological process that happens where your anxiety, like, actually cannot stay that elevated. Like the adrenaline, cannot right? Last yeah, that the, long.
1: The, the natural wave of emotions, like we talked about. You know, yes. there's a there's a peak, and it will fall. Yeah, you're not you're not going to be
0: able to. You will not physiologically you be able can't to maintain that. that an-
1: <laughs> we can't run from the tiger forever. <laughs> yeah.
0: You will eventually peter out. Yeah, but the problem with anxiety is a lot of times people will get into the situation, feel anxious, then remove themselves from the situation and then continue to feel like, oh, it was a good thing I removed myself because now I I feel less anxious. So now it's reinforced that they should be anxious. When we force you to, in a graded way, expose yourself to the activity, it shows you that One, when you stay there, you actually become less anxious over time Mm -hmm. and you're actually able to tolerate it and your brain relearns that the event itself is safe. And the reason why you have to do it so many times is it takes a long time for your brain to relearn this when you've had so much history of avoiding it.
1: Yeah, it's the rewiring process. We don't just rewire with one. You don't just lay the brick road down one one time. You got to lay each brick. It takes
0: takes a bit. And people are always like, I tried that. I one time went to the grocery store (laughs) and I stayed there for 10 minutes. Listen, you did not try that First of all, it has to be a bunch of times in one week And you have to start at the low level Everybody tries to jump into yeah, the deep end Yeah, they try to
1: jump to the deep end And then they're like, I can't ever do it again It's like, well, yeah, because you jumped the deep end Before you learned how to doggy paddle, yeah. man you, you don't even know how to swim Why would
0: you start there? Like, yeah, They're like, I started. I tried to go to a concert last week Oh, so you started with your level 100 thing Yeah And are <laughs> freaked out that it didn't work I'm not, I'm not surprised like, like, <laughs> so that's exposure therapy is just my favorite thing in the world because it's super effective and it's very rapidly effective. It's yeah, super and it, and for anxiety, it is. It's one of the best things
1: to do is is to approach the thing that is kind of making us anxious, mm-hmm. but do it in a strategic manner, guys. We if we want strategy, strategy, zigzag, serpentine, serpentine. Sorry. You don't want to, again, you don't want to dive in the deep end. Do it strategically so then you actually can successfully maneuver through that that struggle and that
0: stressor. Yes, absolutely. And we, I mean, we have other things, too, if, if people aren't ready for exposure exercises. Right. Again, the
1: dialectical behavioral therapy, the mm-hmm. DBT is great. You already said acceptance and commitment.
0: Mm-hmm. And even just basic or general categories like breathing, mindfulness skills. If you go back to our episode, I want to say it's 15. We do an episode about mindfulness, visualization of a successful experience or visualization of something calming. Yep. We've talked about cognitive challenging. That's in our episode, I want to say 16 and 17, thinking about your thinking. Right,
1: where we're challenging our thoughts. Yeah, Mm -hmm. doing that kind of stuff. Really, uh, just like kind of depression, most psychotherapies can be modified to kind of help address some of these anxieties and stressors that that people are
0: struggling with right the absolute key for an anxiety disorder therapy is that there is outside of session practice of a skill that reduces the anxiety like there it can't you're not going to just go to therapy and then the therapist is like you know what it's all okay and then you're like you know what yeah yeah (laughs) that's not how it goes again because if you
1: are if you're coming to therapy and that's the only time you're addressing your anxiety and that's the only time that you're feeling calmer you're reinforcing the fact that you need the therapist to survive through this yes. anxiety yes. instead of learning how to handle it you know on your own growing through that process you're going to be more reliant again on that therapeutic process instead of learning the skills yourself you have to do that outside practice yeah yeah absolutely another good general tip or trick that i think a lot of people who especially generalized anxiety that have expressed is helpful is to schedule a time to worry Ooh, i love worry records
0: and worry times yeah on me. so
1: when you notice that so much of your day is consumed by worrying about all of these ridiculous things. Mm-hmm.
0: And you know it, they're ridiculous. You're it, like, my house is not probably going to burn down today. Right, right. And and or you just, I mean, your
1: thought is just constantly on the worry. You're not even really being productive because you can't get off all these different worries. Schedule a time of your day that is going to be beneficial for you to worry. So I wouldn't do it right before bed because we don't want to, but I wouldn't also do it right in the morning either because we don't want to set our day off. So find a time that feels comfortable that you could actually sit down and really think about your worries and really let yourself stress out like a limited time frame, maybe 30 to 45 minutes. Yeah. Maybe give yourself an hour if you want the whole hour. I don't know.
0: Yeah. It's up to
1: you. But schedule a specific time that you allow yourself to think about all these worries. And Mm -hmm. then- other parts of the day, when you notice that you're worrying or you notice that those thoughts pop up, do the thought stopping. Mm-hmm. Do catch yourself and say, not right now. That's not it's not that. it's not worry time yet. Nope. Hey, well, and, I will worry about that at noon. <laughs> yeah. And if you're worried, you'll forget your worry. Mm-hmm. Write it down. Yeah, just write down your worry. Just like, write it down. I, yeah. Worry about this. <laughs> like, whatever, <laughs> you know, but but that way, then your whole day isn't consumed and, and it can really help manage all those overwhelming worries.
0: Absolutely. So based on what we talked about today, what do we want to try for outside of podcast experiments?
1: I know this is kind of going back to the old school stuff, but I haven't been consistent recently with my meditations and my breathing. I have really kind of fallen off a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I need to be more consistent because, yeah, the struggle bus has been on fire. And (laughs) so I haven't taken the time and I need to take the time. I've noticed that I... I'm being more affected by things day to day because I haven't taken the time to lengthen my fuse by doing a little meditation here and there.
0: Yeah, that's a very good point. I am going to, I I don't know how to describe this well to other people. I have a cognitive challenging exercise that I do for worries, but it's humor. So I like Mm -hmm. make fun of anxious thoughts and like I try to make as many jokes about something that I know that it's bananas as I can. <laughs> like you're can. anxious about it and yeah, you try to make it a yeah, joke. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. cool. So I, I do really well with humor. I mean, God forbid anybody else make fun of me, but like, <laughs> <laughs> like if somebody else were to make fun of my word, I'd be like, fuck you. <laughs> but, if, but if it's me making fun of it, okay, let's say I'm driving to work in the morning and I think – Oh God, these patients are gonna be really hard today. Then I'll make another joke, and, and then your coffee's br- probably gonna be cold. Then you'll die. Like I just like <laughs> I just like try to escalate with myself and like turn it yeah. into a joke and make it less serious. And I I also find that generally in the day, if I have more jokes or more humor, watch funny videos, or I just. I talk to people and I make fun of a situation like literally this happened last week. I was in a meeting. I could not stomach the meeting. I was having a really <laughs> hard time with the meeting. <laughs> I was really struggling and I was just making as many jokes on the on the on meeting the subject. as yeah. I possibly could in rapid fire because I was feeling really anxious and stressed out and frustrated. And so I just started making jokes about it. And I actually felt a lot better. I think people around me felt better too. So it was a pleasant sort of a thing. So I'm going to just kind of use my jokeys as... Uh, probably the reason I'm funny is because I'm never- <laughs> <laughs> just a coping <laughs> strategy, secretly. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. So uh. I've got I've got some jokes for you as our as our outro this week. If you can if you can take it, are yes, you ready? Yes, yes, yes. So we got two. The first one is, if you can't handle me at my depression, then you don't deserve me at my surprise. It's anxiety now. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a good one cuz they they convert. Yeah. I have one too. Okay. My
1: doctor just diagnosed me with anxiety and constipation. I'm worried shitless.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> I don't like that. A lot. Okay, I got one more. I am very laid back. I only care about two things every person on earth and also their opinion of me and the psychological way of being alive <laughs>
1: <laughs> that one's
0: that one's a little bit of generalized anxiety for you right there folks. yeah it is yeah so anyway we hope you enjoyed our episode today come find us on instagram facebook donate to us on patreon or send us an email yeah. we're looking forward to hearing from you folks thanks for listening guys all right bye bye <laughs>